0: The following sermon by Pastor Rick Holland is brought to you by Mission Road Bible Church. For more information, visit missionroadbiblechurch.com. Take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. We'll continue in our study of the Ten Commandments. We've come to the Fifth Commandment tonight. And I have been given the go-ahead and permission from some friends of mine to make sure that I tell you up front, this is not going to be a one-part sermon. Uh, There's no way we can do all of this in one sermon. We come to the fifth commandment. Very simple commandment. A commandment you have all known for a long time. A commandment you have no doubt given as a parent and no doubt received as a child. Deuteronomy 5 verse 16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord God has, or your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. I grew up in, uh, this is like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And I remember that we didn't get to watch much television, but there was one television show that my my parents allowed me to stay up and watch. And it started with the familiar terms, space, the Final frontier of Star Trek. I was a Trekkie before it was even cool to be a Trekkie. I used to remember the the, uh, epic special effects of Star Trek. That tells you a little bit about my age. But I remember the the one thing that intrigued me and even comes back to give us a bit of an entry point tonight is uh, uh, Mr. Spock had a greeting and a farewell. Live long and prosper. It was a nice little thought. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to extend to someone the well-being and the well-wishing that they would live long and have a good life and prosper? Well, that's a nice... You guys, would you quit doing this? I see you guys back there. (laughs) And then you have some of the students, my fingers don't... Anyway. What did you get out of church night? Live long and prosper. It's interesting, though, that the basic concept behind that Vulcan greeting is actually at the heart and is the essence of the command that we know as the fifth. Is it possible to extend to someone the, the well-being and the well-wishing that they would have a long life and have a prosperous life? Strangely and oddly enough, that's exactly what's happening in the fifth commandment. It's given to a unique group of people who are related uniquely to another unique group of people, and that is children. One of the things that intrigues me in biblical studies is to look at authorial intent. What did the author mean by what he said? So, what you're doing is saying, who was the original author and what did he mean to the original audience and who were they? It's very interesting when you're reading the Ten Commandments. Notice who's the audience here? You shall not murder, verse 17. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. That's kind of some R rated stuff. This is restricted to adults. Don't commit adultery. This is some, some weighty, heavy adult kind of commands and imperatives. And yet in the middle of the Ten Commandments, the very first commandment directed to the specific horizontal relationships that we have on this planet is given, drum roll, to children. There's so much theologically that's at stake with that observation, understand that God, through Moses, intended for children to receive, understand, apply the Ten Commandments. This wasn't just for the older generation. Children are specifically addressed in the Ten Words of Moses. Let me hearken back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, where this is first given. Honor your father and mother, mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord gives you. We've been studying the 10 words of Moses, the 10 commandments, and so far we've looked over the shoulders of the Jews of Moses' time and learned that there is much for us in the 21st and 22nd. Which century are we in? 22nd century? 21st century. It used to be the 20th. This is the 21st. I think I just skipped a whole century there. That's power. The 21st century. It's ancient law code. Does it have anything to do with us? Now, let's back up and remember where we are. We're in the book of Deuteronomy, and as you see, it's living a life of holiness and worship. It gives paradigms. It gives categories of ways that we can enjoy and express sanctifying grace in our lives. Deuteronomy is not, and the law in general, is not given to make us saved. It was never given to make the Jews saved. This was a response to a salvation already given. We're not under the law as the Jews were under the law. This is not our constitution. We don't have a nation regulated by uh, the, books, the first five books of the Bible. Yet these first five books called the law have so much in there for us categorically. We have to ask, do we just rip these first uh, five books, actually the, the whole Older Testament, rip it out of our Bibles as New Testament believers? Does the law have anything to do with us? And the answer is, we're not under law as a system of a theocracy. We're not living with God as king in Israel. We are living with God as our personal king as Christians. And therefore, we can see something of his heart, something of his expectations when we look at the law. As we've said over and over, you can really find out what we're to do with the law by looking at Matthew 22, verse 34, when Jesus said, all contain, all this contained in the law and prophets comes down to two simple dimensions, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Every law in the Old Testament finds its way into one of those two categories, So when we look at the Old Testament law, we're actually looking back at Jesus' summation of God's heart in the entire Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus was tested by the Pharisees and his answer was, listen, don't get caught up in the minutia. As I said in Matthew 22, he says, make sure that you understand this is to point you in the direction of God and point you in the direction of loving others, Second most important commandment, though, gets less attention than the first. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. We'll get back into that in the next chapter in Deuteronomy 6. We love talking about loving the Lord, but less emphasis is put on what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. The first four commandments primarily target what it means to love the Lord our God. The last six commandments, beginning with the fifth here, begin telling us how to love our neighbor as ourself. Isn't it interesting that the very first commandment on how to love your neighbor as yourself, how to protect the rights of others, is given to children respecting their parents? These commandments are not designed to save us, but to tell us how someone who honors God is to live. really strikes me as amazing in the 10 words of Moses that as the Holy Spirit pens how we're to look at, at the rights of others, remember we said this is looking out for God's rights and others' rights, that he doesn't start with the starving, the destitute, the disadvantaged, or even the good. It's not surprising, it is surprising rather, to see that the very first commandment he gives us is dealing with Parents. That should tell you something of the accent that God, the Holy Spirit, has put on this vital relationship. Why parents? Well, it's the relationship that all of us have uh, at the very beginning of our lives. It's the most important, the first relationship that we have. It becomes the point of comparison then for every other relationship that will develop in the rest of our lives. We compare them to our moms and our dads. It's the relationship that defines us. Think about it. We're stamped with their genetics. Unless you're adopted and if you are, praise God for your parents. But unless you're adopted and you don't know your parents, you will see yourself, we'll say it it this way, you will see your parents in you more than you ever thought the older you get. Isn't that fair to say? I said something to my son today, and I heard Larry Holland speaking through me. Stamped with his genetics, protected by their care, taught by their minds, influenced by their habits guided by their morals, shaped by their values. In many ways, this relationship mirrors our relationship to God. It's intended to be a pattern for that. Parents give us protection, care, guidance, and values. God not only understands this, but he designed it. He designed that powerful influence. We are supposed to have the influence of godly parents in our lives. Let me just tell you this, though. Not everyone in this room had the influence of godly parents, Some of you grew up in unbelieving homes. We'll find out in a minute, though, that the command to obey your parents doesn't have a footnote that says, if they're right or if they're believers. God understands this powerful influence. His design is to shape us through them, sometimes for our example, and let's face it, And parents, we need to face that our children will do this too. Sometimes we come to the point where we think about things and do things not because that's what our parents did, but because we don't want to do what our parents did. Let's dive into this passage, and we're going to find some interesting implications as we uh, just figure it out. There's so much in this passage. As I said, we're we're going to take a couple weeks to get through it. I want to discover with you two prescriptions for a life of blessing. That's what's at stake here, two prescriptions for a life of blessings. Given to children, we'll find out what the implications of those for us as adults are as well. Two prescriptions for a life of blessings. When the fifth commandment is repeated in Deuteronomy from Exodus chapter 20, there's the little added phrase, that it may go well with you. That's not given in Exodus. Exodus. Here, Moses expounding on that says that it may go well with you. Live long and prosper. In other words, this is how you can live a life, have a life that's blessed by God. Let's look at this first prescription. And here's what's interesting. This prescription is given specifically to children. But let me give you some fair warning. We'll have some things to say at the end about those of us who are parents as well. Children. He addresses prescription number one for how to have a life of blessing is this. Honor your parents with caring devotion. Honor your parents with caring devotion. Would you notice the first word, if, does not appear in the verse? First one is not if. It doesn't read honor your father and mother if anything. Honor your father and mother if they're believers, it doesn't say that. Honor your father and mother if you're living at home, it doesn't say that. What does that mean for adult children? Honor your parents if you're young, it doesn't say that. Honor your parents if you agree with them, it doesn't say that. Honor your parents if it's in your best interest, it doesn't say that. Honor your parents if you think they're right, it definitely doesn't say that. It says honor your parents and Let's skip ahead. In Ephesians, he adds the word obey. Honor and obey your parents. What does it mean to honor here in the text? The word for honor is the, one of the most important words in the Bible. It's the word kavod. It literally means, you ready for this? Glorify your parents. It's the same word that we use to glorify God. Give your parents glory. Ascribe to them worth and value and honor by obedience. Usually it's reserved for our attitude about God, but God himself puts here the emphasis on our glorifying, that's the Hebrew word, our parents. To glorify or honor means to assign weight to something. Now don't go home and tell your mom I'm assigning weight to you. But it literally means to see something as valuable and heavy. Something had more glory, and it still does in our day of metallurgy today. Something has more glory if it's heavier The meaning of the Hebrew word has to do with assigning the proper and appropriate position in your life to your parents. That's what it has to do with. The Jewish commentator, Tegay, says of this word, It includes respect, adherence to their teaching, forbids hitting, insulting, and behaving disrespectfully toward them and misappropriating their property. Proverbs 4, eight indicates that the word means to prize highly, and Psalm one five uses it as showing affection. Let's get even more specific. How can you, children, honor your parents with caring devotion? I think at least by four ways generally. Let's kind of break this down. How can you do that? First, by respecting them. By giving your honor, by giving your parents respect, it might sound a bit strange, but but the heart of respecting your parents is, strangely enough, fearing them. You know, I often think if we read this in the original Hebrew, as if you read in the original Greek, so many things would 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 pop off the page that are almost filtered by an English translation. We're told here in the fifth commandment, glorify your parents. Interestingly, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1, this is the holiness code that scholars call, call scholars call that the holiness code, how the nation was to be holy before God. Here's how Leviticus 19:1 begins. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. Every one of you shall reverence. His mother and father. The word is fear. Every one of you shall fear his mother and father. Does that mean that you should have this physical fear of them? Look, my kids are bigger than me. That's probably not going to happen at this point in my life. The word translated in the New American Standard as reverence is yare, which is the word, Hebrew word for fear. One of the ugliest things for me to hear is a person who does not have the right honor, respect, or holy fear about their parents. Disrespect. This word of fear has to do with respect. We, we fear God in the sense that we respect him. We understand his position and we respond appropriately to him. I think one of the ugliest things you can do is hear a, a child at any age slander or criticize his or her parents. A few years ago, Kim and I were doing some premarital counseling with a couple, and we were talking to them about the potential points of conflict with in-laws. We usually talk about that when we have premarital counseling with with, with a couple. What what do you think about your in-laws, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law to be here? As we were talking, um, the young man began to talk, and he talked about his own mother before he talked about his mother-in-law-to-be. These are some things she said. She's incompetent. She's just stupid. She's a real pain and went on and on about his mom. I remember looking over at his fiance and asking her how she would feel if this prospective groom spoke of her like this behind her back. Well, needless to say, the room got really, really quiet. And I had to tell this couple that unless his respect of his mother radically changed, this was only a preview of how he would end up treating her as his wife. Remember King Saul in the book of 1 Samuel? He was an evil parent who actually tried to kill his own son, Jonathan, by throwing a javelin at him. Jonathan's response, even though he's angry and grieved, he showed respect for his father. Kids, do you respect your parents? Can I ask you adults, do you have reverence and respect for your parents, living or deceased? How do you speak about them? And make sure you understand how we speak about our parents is contagious with our kids on how they'll end up speaking about us. By respecting them. How else? Well, by loving them. By loving them. I get this from Jesus' words, and he said in Matthew 22 that the second commandment is about loving your neighbor as yourself. This is the first uh, uh, in the, the neighbor commandments, the fifth commandment. What does it mean to love your parents? Simply put, you look out for their best interests even above your own. That's what it means to love your parents, kids. You look out for your parents' best interests even and especially if it's above your own interests. Hey, kids, when is the last time you told your parents that you love them, get this, before, and not as a response to them telling you that they love you? You say, come on, that's so old-fashioned. Really? Repent, it's not old-fashioned. Tell your parents that you love them if, by the way, you what? Love them, which presupposes. Love is best expressed with two things. Here's how you can tell you love someone. So I can tell you can love, here's how you can tell you love your siblings, your friends, your parents, your kids. Love is expressed by two primary things time and attention. Time and attention. That demonstrates love. Said another way show me where you put your time, show me where you place your attention, and I'll tell you very quickly what you love. Love is not just a feeling. Love is a commitment. Thirdly, by obeying them. Now we need to look over in Ephesians chapter six for a moment. Because this is where this command is repeated by the Apostle Paul. Ephesians chapter six, verse one, children obey. Wow, we didn't see that in Exodus twenty or Deuteronomy five, did we? Children obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. That's simple enough. No footnote. There, isn't it amazing if they're saved, if they're righteous, if they're righteous. It doesn't just children obey your parents because it's right. Now parents in the Lord, we'll talk about in a moment. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. What's the promise? That you will live long and have a prosperous life, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. What's really interesting about this is that in the, in the book of Deuteronomy, reflecting the book of Exodus, it's talking about living long in the nation, in the land of Israel when you get there. Now Paul says, no, it's a bigger principle of that. It's living long in general. It's having a prosperous and enjoyable life in this world, not, not Israel, but in this world. He addresses children. He goes to the fifth commandment, makes his point. It's a great insight, by the way, in how New Testament writers use the law. He emphasizes the parallel between honoring and obeying. In fact, he joins them as synonyms in verses two and three. Submission to Christ for a child is fleshed out in submission to parents there's a huge debate grammatically and among uh, 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 biblical scholars as to what it means obey your parents in the Lord some people think it means obey your parents if they tell you the same thing the Lord tells you some people think it obey your parents if you're in the Lord the the, the, the Greek doesn't really say just obey your parents in the Lord w- what does that mean? I think it means in the context of understanding that you want to honor and love and obey the Lord. You transmit and translate that respect, that love, that care, that obedience to your parents. Submission to Christ is fleshed out in submission to parents. Now, what's significant is how he attaches that fifth commandment, and we'll say more about this later, uh, to their understanding of sanctification. I think it's very interesting Paul doesn't say children who are Christians, children who are young, children who are old, children, obey your parents. I love the little phrase, why? Because it's right. He gives us the reason. If you ever wonder what to do, be sure that honoring and obeying your parents is always the right thing to do. Now, everyone asks right here, time out, hang on. What if my parents tell me to go rob a bank? Okay. Okay. Unless your parents are named Bonnie and Clyde, it's not likely that's going to happen. Let me just say this. If a parent tells you to sin, don't. But that's a very rare thing. I think we overemphasize that exception and don't come back to the general principle and reality. Oh, there have been times when I've told a kid to disobey his parents or her parents. I remember one time very, very uh, distinctly, uh, Kim and I were working with college students out in California, and there was a, a girl who was um, uh, um, a Korean. Who uh, uh, her her parents were 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 um, uh, not lovers of the Lord. They were Buddhist, and she was going to marry uh, uh, a Chinese guy in our our ministry who who loved the Lord. They both the, the this guy and this girl loved Christ, but the 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 Buddhist parents. Refused to let this daughter marry this guy, and so what do we do? We we talk to them. We we I I, I had lunch with this with this lady uh, with uh, uh, well Kim and I had lunch with, with this with this gal. We, we talked and talked and talked. It was clear that she is interesting because Dad sat there silent. Uh, that she the parents were not going to let this girl marry this guy. In fact, this was their command. She may only marry a Buddhist. You know what you say at that point? Matthew 10 comes into bear. Sometimes the gospel divides even children and their parents. And you take the higher standard than them, but that's only at the end of a long process. All to say there are extreme situations when a child should not obey the parent if the parent's telling them to sin. But when you find that out, Come and talk to me, come and talk to your pastor or your elders, and we'll discuss that. My suspicion is that won't happen very often. Parent to your parents telling you to clean your room is not a sin. They're not expressing obsessive-compulsive disorder, and, and you're trying to correct them from having this neat house. That's not sin. <laughs> Children, obey your parents. It's right. I would love to tell you all the practical applications of that. You know what it means? Children, do what your parents say. And when they tell you to sin, give us a call here at the church and we'll talk to your parents. Another way is by caring for them in old age. This this is taken from the commandment that's very foreign to our culture. Uh, retirement homes and, and convalescents were, were not known in this day. Remember, they've spent untold amounts of money, invested inestimable amounts of time in you, and it's right before the Lord then to not forget about them and abandon them when they are in need of us. Uh, my parents are both in heaven, but Kim and I have sat down with her folks and told them, when you get to the place where you're having trouble living on your own, you are always welcome in our home. I think that's a biblical mandate to care for your parents. There's a second prescription here I want us to dive into for a few minutes. Enjoy your obedience with promising expectations. Deuteronomy 4.40 and Deuteronomy 25.15, parents are responsible to teach their children about the covenant of God so that both parents and children will prosper in the land which God offers. Blessing is always promised for those who obey, but the blessing may not always be measured in earthly gain, right? Sometimes you live a poor life. You know, everyone has their stories, and I have mine, but I literally remember uh, when I was younger, and we were having a very hard time, and my parents told me years later how you know, we were, um, how, how poor we really were. I thought pinto beans and cornbread was like steak. it was awesome. You know, I, I just thought, this is great. I, and I didn't know that that was poor people's food. Uh, I, I still like pinto beans and cornbread, by the way. But can we just talk about this? Not that cornbread that's like cake, that sweet stuff. This was buttermilk cornbread made in a cast iron skillet that had this crust we could stop right now. Tell you. <laughs> How many people like the the buttermilk over the sweet? Yeah, the rest of you, the prayer room will be open to my right at the end of the service, so blessing isn't always measured in earthly gain. For the Jews at the time of Sinai and Deuteronomy, it meant that they would live to see and enjoy the promised land, but what are we to do with such a promise? Now we're back in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul quotes this fifth commandment, the Deuteronomy version, not the Exodus version, that it may be well with you that you'll live long on the earth, and the point is not the inheritance of the Palestinian real estate, rather the general principle that blessings flow from obedience to your parents. Now, I want to say a lot more about what it means to obey your parents in our next study because I'm going to bring some things in. What if you disagree with your parents? Do you have to obey all the time without any pushback, without any discussion, without any appeal? Absolutely not. There are biblical patterns for appealing to authority and appealing to your parents in a godly way. We'll talk about that. But just for a second, I want to talk about obeying your parents in the context of the parents who we are to obey. Look at the next verse in Ephesians chapter six. Children, obey your parents, honor them. Next verse. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the admonition or the discipline or instru- and the instruction of the Lord. Now, kids, students, people who have younger generation we're gonna talk more about obedience in a whole sermon in the next study. And we're gonna talk about what it means when you disagree with your parents, how how do you move forward with that, but let's for a second talk about parents for a minute. Parents are assigned the task of making the fifth commandment easier than difficult. Parents, are you an easy father or mother to obey, to honor, to respect? This calls for the way that we call for obedience. And the way we call for obedience matters. It matters a lot. Paul told the Ephesians back in chapter five, verse one, be imitators of God. We learned this morning that powerful parenting principle that stands out in Romans chapter two, verse four, when God is wooing us, what does he say? The kindness of God leads us to repentance. Repentance. Can we say it again? You cannot bad attitude a kid into a good attitude. Parents are demanded a level of godliness, a level of godly acumen that makes obedience make sense. It's remarkable when you study the New Testament epistles how much data, how much apparatus and footnoting, as it were, is given to commandments. The reasons for obeying are given. The blessings of obeying are given. The motivations for obeying are given. It's not just willy-nilly, do this because I said so. Not every time when a kid says, why is that a bad question? My dad had the only staple answer for that. Probably your dad too, right? Dad, why do I have to do that? Because I said so. Now, that's enough. Remember Ephesians chapter two, verse, uh, chapter six, verse uh, one, because you have to obey because it's right. But I think it, it's godly. It behooves parents to tell children why they should obey. It's given right here. You know what? It'll be well with you. It will be better for you if you obey me than if you don't. You want to send them examples? Let's read the Old Testament. explaining the why of obedience. What is the why of obedience? Number one, it pleases God. You need to know that pleasing me, obeying me, honoring me, isn't just so that I'll have stuff to do. It's commanded by God and brings the blessing of God. This is intended for you to learn how to obey God. If we can say it this way, when your kids are young, when our kids are young, the idea is to build a relationship with them and have a relationship with God, and we have a strong relationship with them that they have with us, and not so much with God, is to bring those two together, and the goal of parenting is to do what? Let that go. And they're connected to God. But we don't want to be standing in the way of that by the way we deal with our children We need to teach them that it pleases God. If you read the book of Proverbs, you learn some major principles uh, about parenting. Younger children especially need to know this major principle. Disobedience causes pain. The wages of disobedience is pain. They'll learn someday the wages of disobedience is death. And when you obey, you get Blessed. Proverbs teaches us the reward system and the penal system. We punish and reward. Those are both indicating. We can talk more about this another time. Uh, the, the Bible clearly says that a child, a disobedient child's backside is intended for blows. Not intended to to hurt a child, not intended to, to, uh, to maim a child, but the Bible says that the rod is for a child's backside when he disobeys. I didn't make that up. We'll talk more about that in our next time. We need to teach children, though, that disobedience doesn't go well. If they develop patterns, watch this. If I disobey, if I sin, then I find reward where does that lead them in life? If I cut the system, if I go around the system, if I disobey my parents, and that turns out better for me, that's good. Permissive parenting is equivalent to hating your child. If you spare the rod, you will indeed spoil a child. It doesn't say that specifically in Proverbs, but the principles are everywhere. We also need to teach our kids the other side, Obedience brings blessing. I mean, it's, it's I think that parents, by and large, Christian parents especially, are so concerned about our kids' sin, as we should be, that we're more concerned with making sure that disobedience is punished than we are making sure that righteous reaches are honored, rewarded, exonerated. It says right here, it will go well with you. Does parents does it go well with our children when they obey or does it just not go bad? Turn over Proverbs chapter 1 for a moment. And I'm really trying to restrain from going on a wild ride through the book of Proverbs on parenting. Let me show you what's very interesting. You know the book of Proverbs is written not as a parenting manual. Some people miss misunderstand that. The book of Proverbs was written as a princely manual. This is Solomon talking to his, to his son Rehoboam on how to live life and be a godly king. That raises the standard way more than just a simple parenting manual. This is how to be excellent in every category and every field of your life. I think it's interesting. Look at the introduction, Proverbs 1.1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction and in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. a wise man, a man of understanding, will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles, so that that's the introduction, verse seven. The principle of the whole book the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's the opening introduction to the book of Proverbs on how to raise your sons to be excellent. The meat of the book of Proverbs begins in chapter 1, verse 8. What's the very first thing Solomon tees up? Hear my son. Your father's instruction. Oh, it's all about dads, isn't it? Actually, read the next phrase. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. Why? Why? What's the benefit? Remember, it's not just willy-nilly. Indeed, they are graceful, a graceful wreath to your head. The the wreath in uh, in the ancient Near East was a way that you had a crown. You won an athletic event. You were given a position of high authority. You were given a position of prominence. You had made it when you were given that. And there are ornaments around your neck. Necklaces were primary uh, 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 jewelry worn for honor. What he's saying is, listen to your mom, listen to your dad, you will be honored in the world and by your parents and by God if you do this. This is good. It's going to go well with you if you obey your parents. I just think it's striking that mom and dad are listed in the very first part of Proverbs after the introduction, the first seven verses. What's the first thing he tells us? Listen to mom and dad. Now, I wanna give you a confession. I was 16 years old. It was in the months before I was saved, I know where I was sitting. I knew the po- I can still see the poster that was above my bed. I knew exactly where my stereo was. My eight-track, sweet eight-track stereo was in the corner. I could see it just like it was yesterday. I'd gone to ask my dad. I was just 16. I hadn't been driving long. I'd gone to ask my dad if I could go over to a friend's house. It was a horrific downpour. I mean, you've seen these downpours where you can't see, you know, 10 yards in front of you. My dad, who was a cop, my dad said, no. I would like to tell you that I appealed. I didn't appeal. I argued. I debated. I, I would have won lawyer of the week award. It was unbelievable, my arguments. Yes, but, yes, but, and I know, no. Dad, you taught me to drive. If you did your job right, I should be able to do this. Well, he still said no. My dad was also, before he was a, a cop, he was a drill sergeant in the Marine Corps, and he believed in not sparing the rod. Let me just tell you that. I literally I remember walking into my room I remember told you how my room was, was set up, sitting on the edge of my my bed, and I literally said this in my mind, my. Dad is a complete idiot. What I was saying was, I am sure I know more than my dad. Haven't we all kind of been there? Maybe not as graphic as I just did. I got saved a few months later, okay? Children it's right to obey your parents. And can I give you just a little instruction, a little insight? They know more than you do. And someday, you're going to say, wow, my parents weren't quite the idiots that I thought, especially when your children think that of you. Now, we've just begun to scratch the surface. We're going to Push pause on this because the what does it mean to obey when you disagree? What does it mean to obey when you think they're wrong? What if they are wrong? How can you appeal properly? Does children obeying your parents mean that you say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, every time, and don't ever say, can you help me understand? It doesn't mean that at all. But it also means, parents, that we bear some responsibility in shepherding our children and how they can appeal in a godly way. And how, if they win the appeal, which is possible, that we're humble enough to say, you know what, okay, you, you, you can do this. And the Word of God says so much about this process that honors them, honors us, and you know what, frankly, it lets them, encourages them to grow up and be godly young men and women. One last time kids, obey your parents. Now, one thing we have to answer, which we only hinted at tonight, we'll come back to, is what if I'm an adult? What, what responsibility do I have to, to my parents then? The short answer, we'll come back to it, is we need to honor them. But the obedience stops when you become one flesh and move out. Now you you've leave and cleave. You've left your home. Once you establish your home, that, that direct line of obedience doesn't look the same way. But honoring always looks the same way. We'll talk about that more next time. If you uh, have any questions about this or you want to talk to someone, we'll be available afterwards. Um, This is not possible. Christian parenting and Christian obedience without Christ goes without saying. And if you want to know more about what it means to give your life to Jesus Christ and have him be the Lord and the king and the instructor of your life, please don't leave without talking to some of us. I'm going to pray and then give you some important instructions about what's going to happen in just a minute because you are going to be bad stewards of your money with ice cream. Let's stand together. Father, this is just scratching the surface of what it means for children to obey parents. I'm so thankful for my mom and my dad. I disagreed with them so many times. I was such a pain to them so often. And yet I wish they were here today, wish they could see my sons, wish they could know my wife. Give the students, children who are listening to this, perspective that's beyond their years, that to obey you is to grant immeasurable blessing. And that your primary obedience, you call them to obey you in, is obeying their mom and their dad. And Father, please, for those of us who are parents, give us wisdom. You've promised, if we lack wisdom, we can ask you; you'll give it generously without reproach. We are asking, Lord, we we need instruction. We need wisdom. Cause us, as parents and as children, to see our relationship with one another as a primary reflection of our relationship to you and not something separate. And help us to hold these things in mind until we can come back and look at them even more specifically in our next study. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a presentation of Mission Road Bible Church in Prairie Village, Kansas. For more information, visit Mission Road Bible Church dot com.